How many believe God is your provider? How many believe that? It's called faith in Him. The Old Testament pattern shows us how God dealt with His people, and there's an application for us today. So we're going to stand for the reading of His Word from Romans 15, 4. And here's what Paul said. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Then he said to the church at Corinth, nor complain as some of them also complain. Again, referring to the people of God, the Israelites, and were destroyed because of the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That's our day, is it not? Amen. Please be seated. So they were the natural Israel, existed and still do exist, and we are the spiritual Israel today, grafted in. Together one day we will all worship him. And how God dealt with them in the old covenant is a pattern of how he deals with us. So God does not change. He's changeless in his moral standings and his principles. And the scripture is very clear how he dealt with them. He will deal with us. So first of all, God will provide for you through the hands of men. Thinking of the favor and provision of the Lord, the term Jireh means provider. God, my provider, Jehovah Jireh. God will use others to provide for you. Now, sometimes he may use a medical doctor to bring blessing and provision for you by giving him a skill set that will be a blessing of health to you. Joseph was speaking to his brothers. They had hurt him severely. They had sold him into slavery. And he goes through a litany of tests and trials that are almost incomprehensible. Now the whole world is suffering from a famine in the earth, and people are starving to death. But Joseph has been elevated to the prime minister of Egypt, and he has the keys to all the corn on the earth. Everyone else is out of corn. Joseph has it stored in silos, and the world literally has to come to him for help. Now watch what he says to his own brothers who have harmed him and hurt him. And God sent me, Joseph, before you, my brothers, to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So he says, God, listen, God designed this so through my hands, not only could you be taken care of in a famine, but all the generations to come after you. Joseph said, God blessed me so I could provide for you, my family, and God's plan for our family would continue. So the first way God provides is through the hand of man. So don't be fussy and picky about who he uses to provide for the needs that you have or who he leads you to do business with. And don't tell me that you can tell God who you think he can and can't use to provide for you. You don't tell God that. You don't put him in a box. 
God can use some strange people to bless you. God used Pharaoh to provide for his people. Pharaoh was an evil idolater. He worshipped hundreds of demon gods. Yet God used Pharaoh to provide for all of Israel. Don't lock God down to your little perspective. Remember, God can use anyone or anything to provide for you. In Luke 6, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men put into your bosom. And the word there means lap, into your lap. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So God is showing us two things. He's showing us that we're to be givers. And that the more we give, the more we receive, or the little less we give, the little back we receive. But he also says, I'll cause men to put it into your lap. That's the key. Men will drop it into your lap. And notice God will raise up men and women to provide for you. He used ravens to feed the prophet Elijah. Now, ravens don't normally pick up food and take it to somebody else. A raven doesn't deliver food. It eats food. And anything it can scavenge, it takes for its own. But God altered the nature of that bird so it would take care of his prophet in the middle of another famine. God knows how to take care of you. He will supply. And God will not let you depend on any one individual too long. Because if you get too dependent on one person, you will circumvent the blessings of God because the person is not your source. That person is the means by which God blesses you, sometimes long-term, sometimes temporarily. But God wants you to know he is your source. So when people move in and out of your life doing business, when business contracts you thought you'd have forever change, don't sweat it. God has many sources by which men will give into your lap if you yourself learn to be a giver. Now start claiming the promise. God will provide for you using the hands of men. When you go to work tomorrow, believe God wants to favor you, bless you, and prosper you. And he'll bring connections and associations of others that will bring it to your lap. Not only will God provide for you through the hands of men and women, but secondly, God provides from his own hand. After 70 years of being provided for by the Pharaoh, there arose another Pharaoh in Egypt. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So for 70 years, Pharaoh took care of Joseph and his people, and the Israelis grew in number, and they multiplied, and they began to be a a huge segment of the culture. During those 70 years, Israel was prospered. Then the Pharaoh died, and another took over, and he had no prior knowledge of Joseph. Panic time! You're no longer in the inner circle. You're no longer in the clique, and here's what you're going to learn. Man is not your source. God is your source, and he sometimes will provide for you through the hands of men. Other times, he provides for you supernaturally. Suddenly, the link for Joseph's family was broken. Suddenly, there was no more insider track to the Pharaoh. But remember the words of Jesus. Without me, you can do nothing. This is called forced dependency. 
This is when you fall on your knees and remind yourself that man alone is not your source. God will use men to give to me. But I remember it's from God's hand to their hand to my hand. And I'm coming straight to you today, Father. I'm looking to you. I've honored you with my giving. I've put you first in the way I have taken care of the stewardship of my life. I have a budget for what's left after I've given back to you. See, but we love it to have it so controlled and everything is just happening and easy and everything just runs smoothly that we don't have to do anything. We don't even have to pray because everything is kind of on autopilot. You just pray lightly because you feel secure. Here's the reality. When things are like that, we don't pray like we ought to. Elijah had it made. A bird dropped him an In-N-Out burger twice a day. He had the brook nearby for fresh water. Ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up. What do you do when your brook dries up? What do you do when the money source dries up? What do you do when business starts to come apart? What happens? It drove Elijah back to the Lord. And the brook, he found out, was not his source. The brook was his system, but God was the source. Your business is the system, but God is the source. And God himself spoke to the prophet and said, go to the widow. Travel all the way north through Israel. And see, you'll find there a widow woman. And in the middle of town, at the right time, comes this widow woman intersecting the path of the prophet Elijah. She's the one. Of all the people, here she comes. She's down to her last meal. She doesn't have any hope. We're in a famine. It's terrible. Everybody's dying around us. And if she will obey your instructions and give you her last meal, given it shall be given unto you. But if she eats her last meal... She will miss the harvest that would sustain her and her son through the rest of the famine. See, if I were the devil, I would tell people, giving doesn't really matter. That's nothing to worry about. Because he knows that one offering from the widow kept her and her son alive throughout the rest of that famine. It's through the hand of God you are provided for. That was a supernatural provision. The children of Israel were in the wilderness. There's little food available in the desert, by the way. (laughs) You can't go find yourself a 7-Eleven. There's nothing nearby. Now watch God provide. And when the layer of dew lifted, Exodus 16, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. God was providing for three and a half million Jews out in the middle of the desert. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. God's provision, supernaturally. God said, I will provide this amazing food to you. And sometimes it's hard to recognize the blessing that God's bringing straight into your life. You don't always recognize it when you first see it. God's bringing this to me. It's a supernatural act on his part. Sometimes God is repositioning you through a transition to get you ready for a new miracle, for his new provision. I'm about to give you manna from heaven. And God didn't give everyone the same amount. 
Keep reading the story. The children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer, that's a quart, for each person you have in your tent. Now, not all gathered the same amount, but according to the number in your household. So when God prospers you, he does so according to the size of your assignment. When you began years ago, you know, when the ministry and Donna and I started, and uh, we, we, we got our first church in the Midwest, in the big city of Chicago, and we were pastors there. You know, it was different then, pastoring then, than it is today. Things have changed dramatically in what you need to know and what you need to do as the lead guy in a church. Back in those days, uh, we had no secretary. Donna and I did everything. We mimeographed our weekly church bulletins. Remember that? The mimeograph machine? That's really cut and paste. You use rubber cement, and you cut stuff out and paste it, and then you run it on a drum, and that's how you produced your church bulletins. That was, there were no paid associates. There were no paid children's ministers, no paid worship and music ministries. Everybody was a volunteer in the church. And I wonder if sometimes we rob people of their ministries, you know, because we've staffed everything so well in churches today. I mean, I, I remember sweeping backed-up sewage off the fellowship floor. I mean, fellowship hall floor, not a problem. We got the brooms, we got the gear, we swept that stuff out of the church. I painted classrooms with everybody else. And I remember I learned that as a boy when I was in my home church as a young man. And we volunteered. There wasn't nobody paying you to do that. You just went and did it. It was for the Lord. All church work days. We all showed up, we rolled up our sleeves and did what we had to do. Cleaning days. Painting classrooms. After work, at night, we would paint classrooms for Sunday school rooms. Now, you call for volunteers in the day in which we're living now for a ministry like we should all support when we do what we do for our men and women in uniform on Memorial Day weekend, and so few percentage-wise show up to actually do anything. It's amazing. We should have so many people volunteering. The people have a problem giving today. And it's all about me mentality. The, the assimilation of the culture that says live for yourself, do everything you can for yourself. Listen, there ought to be a heart that says anything I can do, anywhere I can help, let me do it for the Lord. Here's my gift. How can that be used? That's who we should be as the body of Christ. I remember we were painting some of those classrooms, and uh, we were there, and some of the new converts came to help us paint. You know what happened? Unfortunately, one of them, he got corrupted by a church member, because that's what usually happens to the new convert. The church member whispered to the new convert, see if the church will give you some money for helping them paint. And instead of the kid coming and doing like he wanted to do, right out of his heart, which is the way he was approaching it, he comes to me and says, uh, how much am I getting paid to do this? I looked at him and I said, well, I'm getting paid to do this. Nothing. We're here to work for the Lord, okay? We're just here volunteering our time above and beyond. So today we, you know, we have to have millions of dollars to do what we do in the world. It takes money to fund the gospel. 
It takes giving to fund the gospel. It takes volunteer service to fund the gospel. And the vision is even greater today than it was back 35 years ago. Now, if, if we can do what we're doing today in our community, why can't we do that in multiple sites, different places beyond our own community, and reach more than hundreds but thousands of people? And see, if you don't believe in a God of the supernatural, and if you don't believe in supernatural growth, how can you say you belong to the family of the Lord? That comes part and parcel with relationship to the one we say we know and love. You haven't seen anything yet. We believe he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. I cannot afford to let the ten spies who say, but there are giants in the land, keep us out of the promised land. I serve a God who is bigger than any giant, any obstacle that stands in our way. You all need to grow some faith. Maybe we should play the video now instead of before the service. And when I said that, I, 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 I sensed a spirit of unbelief. Hmm. You've come too late to tell me God can't do it. Sorry. He's not finished yet. But his people must be stirred in their hearts with faith. Well, pastor, let's just take it easy. No, this is not an amusement park. You can go west on 80 and find one of those, or or south on 5 and find one of those. There's no time to play at this any longer. We are either going to do it and bring Jesus back, or we're just going to cruise while people slide into eternity without God. And that's not what God challenged us to do. That's not why we're here. We're, this is what it's about. Souls. People. That's what the church exists for. And there's no getting around it. It's going to require an enormous sacrifice from you and from me. And I'm ready. I want God's purpose. I want the center of his will. I want his destiny and nothing else satisfies. Now, God will prosper you according to the size of your assignment. That's the lesson from the manna. And it kind of scares me when I look at the assignment God's given us, and I think, God, how are we going to do this? What we need every day to do the business of the Lord. Yes, we're debt-free, but the truth is, if we don't step up the giving, if all we do is maintain if percentages of people don't start jumping in and saying, you're right, the scripture's correct, that's the truth, I believe, here's my faith, and it's attached to my tithe check, then all we're going to do is go no further than we are. There is maintenance that has to be done. There's work always on this campus that has to be done. Then there's a vision for a new campus and groundbreaking So we can do even more than God has helped us to do where we are today. And I'm here to stir you up to the core because God's not through blessing us. God's not through blessing your business. And God's not through, listen, prospering the work of your hands. God will still raise up everyday people in the body of Christ. People who go out to work every day. They go year in and year out to the same kind of work and they're still productive He'll raise up everyday people at Calvary Christian Center who will become faithful tithers. And among the church, 
My prayer is that God will also raise up those who make a wake wherever they go. So prospered, they can write a million-dollar check to the work of God. And together, everybody giving appropriately as the Lord has prospered you. Whatever it is he's helped you to do, listen, together they say, let's go build the next phase. And let's go build the phase after that. Reach another nation. Reach another tribe that has not heard the gospel. And if it's not a millionaire, he'll raise up a widow's might. And she'll be faithful with that little might. And God will multiply that. And he'll reward each one accordingly. See, reading this book will bring faith to your heart. And you'll get to believing, I can do more than just scratch by every day. Well, pastor, I I, I don't like that prosperity stuff. Okay, then you can help no one. You can support no one. You can do very little else except exist. You can send no one to preach because you can't do that if you're broke. Tell somebody, God doesn't want you broke. He will provide through his own hand. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Wow. So everybody shout, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. <laughs> no. Most don't know that that verse is tied to something else. Hmm. And they just claim this verse, my God shall supply all my need. Without tithing, God's going to supply all my need. Without giving, God's going to supply all my need. No support for God's work. Just show up, take the blessing, and run. And then complain, it was too loud in there today. Oh, it's too cold in there today. And I really don't like him speaking about money. Then you better have a a big problem with Jesus because he spoke a whole lot about it, by the way. So much so that, in fact, he said, I'm going to leave you X amount and I'm going to have you go invest it, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to do an audit on how well you invested what I gave you. That's just one example. A multitude of examples of Jesus talking about your money. My God's going to supply all my needs, Pastor! Hey, my God's a fair God. So claim to claim this supply... You're going to have to back up to verse 15 in Philippians 4. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. You took care of me. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling savor, aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And he leads them right down the path at that church to this point. And he says, I can tell you with the authority of God's word, because of you taking care of my ministry needs... You help me preach the gospel through your support, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's how that works. Say, God will provide for me through the hands of men. God will provide for me 
from his hand. And then number three, God will meet your needs through your own hands. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's called W-O-R-K. The manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. And a lot of people read right over that. For 40 years, God fed his people daily with angel food. And they were healthy, and they were strong, and they were blessed. And they walked in health and peace and strength. I want some of that food. I don't know where to find that. After 40 years of having to do little for their provision, God said, as soon as you step into the promised land, the manna will cease. You're not going to get your government check. It's over. Panic! God was transitioning them. He said, sometimes I will cause men to meet your needs. Sometimes I will supernaturally, as I did in the wilderness, take care of your needs. How many of you ever had God supernaturally provide for you? I can say amen to that. And there are seasons when he will use your own hands. The manna will cease. There will be hard work. You'll have to get out and sow and reap. You'll have to get up and go work. You will go out and you will go get it. He will use your hands. You will not be able to kick back and expect God to do everything for you. God will not do for you what you can do for yourself. Go help yourself. And if everything is shut down for you, then at least go online and start taking a college course. It beats sitting around eating chips and getting into trouble. Why not better yourself? Improve your education. Make yourself a marketable commodity. Do whatever you can to get ahead. God blesses people who are busy. He calls people who are busy. It's tight, but it's right. So wear it. Deuteronomy 11. And that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give your fathers to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. Now, in Egypt, the only way they had to irrigate their fields was by foot pump. That's what they had to do. They drew water from the Nile River using foot pumps, and they would pump out enough into the desert with their piping and their foot pumps. How ingenious of them so that they could use their land. It was very fertile because when the Nile would overflow, there would be a great amount of silt that would be deposited, and it was very fertile, and it could grow, but they needed water to continue to the, the, the harvest. So they had foot pumps and pipes, and they would pump water into their, into their fields. And Israel had to do that. And God said, I'm taking you out of a land where you need foot pumps to survive. I'm taking you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. You're coming off of the pump and into the flow. The goodness of the Lord will flow into your life. God said, in the hills or the valleys of the promised land, I will send flow in your direction. So when you have an Egyptian mentality, an Egypt mentality, you have a foot pump mentality. SOS, God. 911, God. Prayers all the time. Crisis to crisis. One crisis after another. Listen, God wants something better for you. 
God doesn't want you praying emergency prayers all your life. He wants you to step into the flow, a land flowing with milk and honey. And God says, if you can do it, I won't do it for you. So find your purpose in my kingdom. Find the gifts I've planted in you and put them to work. You are gifted in some area. Everybody is. You are talented in technological areas. You have detail abilities. You have construction abilities. Find your gifts. Put them to work. Find your purpose and then connect that purpose to our local church. And see it as your life source. And then God permits it to begin to flow. He says, and how you treat my house is how I will treat your house and your business. No. Yes. Oh, yes. Very much so. I'm glad I had a dad that taught that lesson to me. He learned that early in his business career, and he taught me that lesson as a boy. How we treat God's house is how God will treat our house. It comes right out of the prayer of Jacob, Abraham's son, who told the Lord, if you will bless my house, I'm going to bless your house. If you'll bless my house. And he made this covenant agreement with God. How you treat his house is how he'll treat your house and your business. Some don't like that kind of preaching, but these are God's principles for provision. And I've come to know if your life is heavenly involved in the kingdom work, God then is obligated by his own word to bless your life. So God involves you in how he gets his work done. You've got skill sets and giftings, and he wants you to put them to work. And then he'll bless them with flow. He'll provide for you through the hand of men. He'll provide for you supernaturally. And he'll provide for you through your own hands. And number four, God will provide for you by the hands of your enemies. Really? Twelve went out into the promised land for recon. Ten came back and said, there's much fruit flowing with milk and honey, but the giants are too big. The majority of people still see the giant problems. And their answers are to the faith that we should manifest for God to do something great is yes, but, Numbers 14, only he, God said, do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Really. Numbers 14, 9, for they are bread for us. Who are they? They're enemies, our enemies. They are bread for us. God says, I'm going to provide for you through the hands of your enemies. And when Israel marched into the promised land, city after city after city, the great provision that God already had there for them became the provision of the Israelites. You'll reach the place where you will feed off of their attacks. You will feed off of your haters, those who dislike you. And they will encourage you to trust the Lord even more than ever. So when they're focused on hurting you, rush to the Lord. Amen? Satanic attack is actually a sign you are a high-value target. And it means you've got something worth attacking. And the level of attack will tell you two things. How valuable you are to God in your assignment. 
and the level of blessing waiting for you when you get through the attack. And that's what the attack is always about. It reveals your value to God and the assignment he's given you. And then it's telling you about the level of blessing he has for you on the other side of the attack. So if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Because Moses, or rather Joshua, warned them under the hand of the Lord, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. God will bless you. God will provide for you. In spite of being attacked while you're doing the work of the Lord, God can use anyone, anywhere, anytime to meet your needs. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Let me read this to you. 2 Corinthians 9. Here's what Paul said. That's to us. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food Supply and multiply the seed you have. Hmm. Wait a minute. Supply and multiply the seed you have put into your own pocket. Is that what it says? Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. So let me me back up. It says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have, what, sown? No, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. He only multiplies seed you have sown. Do you hear that? He does not multiply seed you have not sown. I don't know how, what your needs are like, no matter how big they, you think they are. They're small compared to the big God that I serve. And he said this, honor me, put me first. Remember, I own everything. It all belongs to me. I've got the ability to take care of you in a flash. And he said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. In other words, bring back to me what belongs to me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see. Test me and see. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer. I get happy when he says that. Thank you. Throw him under the bus again. Thank you, Lord. Insects and plagues for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine drop its fruit before the time in the field. Says the Lord of hosts. You either believe this or you don't. I believe it with every fiber in my body. To my bones. For I have experienced it. So say this, he multiplies seed that is sown. Say he gives seed to the sowers. So he provides it. And then he will multiply what you sow. Not what you put in your pocket. What you sow. Are you a sower? Have you ever given anything to God that he can multiply? And so Paul goes on to say, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So he only can multiply the seed you've sown. And I believe God has a plan in, in, in place. 
and it always has been because he's never done anything by the seat of his pants, so to speak. God's got it all planned, A, all the way to Z, in detail. He has a plan in place whereby all the needs for his kingdom's work are going to be met. And you just heard a message about my provider. And when you're willing to obey the will of God in this matter, he says, I will provide for you. When you're willing to put me first and honor me, I will provide for you through the hands of men, through the hand of God, through my own hands, and even cause your enemies to provide for you. And I will prepare a table for you, a banquet in the presence of your enemies. And some who don't even like you will turn it over to you. <laughs> wow, that's good news. Some are all stressed out in our culture today because of finances, and the devil has whispered to you, God doesn't love you, and the devil has beaten you down. He's made you feel like less than. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. God cares about everything concerning you. If he has the hairs on your head numbered, he cares about your food, your housing, and your transportation. So we ought to get to our feet right now and thank him for being our Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My provider. Blessed be your name. Oh, Father, help us to be sowers. You have provided seed to us. As you have blessed and prospered us, you put seed into our hands. And you will bless what we sow. You'll multiply it. And help us to be good sowers, Lord. Faithful. Everybody in the church. Sowing. Thank you. Somebody ought to rejoice here today. In your business, some of you struggle in your business, get your hand in the air and say, Lord, I'm thanking you. You're going to prosper it. You're going you're gonna to do it through the hands of others. You're going to do it supernaturally. You're going to use my hard work and gifts. And you even bring an enemy to help me get it done because it's for you and your kingdom. And I thank you for it. And I thank you for it. You're going to take care of us. I'm going to be a giver, Father. I'm going to be a sower into your work. I'm going to be careful about how I plant it. I'm not going to just throw the seed anywhere. But I have an accountability to you to make sure it goes into the place where it's going to do well. And use the brain you gave me to not just throw it any old place, but to be sure it goes into places that bless people in ways that help them. And it really gets to them. So help your people to be wise. Help us not to have said of us, Jesus, what you said about those who followed you in your day, that the children of the world were wiser in their dealing with money than you, his people. But help us to be wise, good stewards. Thank you for provisions, Father. You are my God, the Lord, my provider.